Hi there, and welcome to episode 274 of the Blue Envelope podcast. Today is Monday, the 7th, March 2022, and here's what you might have missed since the last show. Just as we're starting to get our teeth into Neon Dynasty, new Capenna spoilers have already started showing up, reminding us that seem. <laughs> apparently uh, reminding us that the seemingly relaxed lead up to neon dynasty was very much the exception not the rule which is good news if you like your hobby to provide a constant barrage of hard to process information and that's also <laughs> good news if you like a constant barrage of kicks to the face because a secret lair street fighter drop has finally been revealed with the cards being alternative versions of cards from the new capenna set which will no doubt confuse and anger those who don't like multiple names for a single card um, I actually don't know if that bit's true. I can bother to look it up. So I'll just do, I'll record an alternative version in case I have to edit one of them out. Because Secret Lair Street Fighter Drop has finally been revealed, although it's completely unrelated to any set, which will no doubt confuse and anger those who don't like the Secret Lairs to include mechanically unique cards like the Walking Dead version did. And finally, something that definitely won't anger players. Uh, again, I'll just do that bit one more time in case that's wrong. And finally, something that definitely <laughs> will anger players is the banning of Loris the Dream Den from both Pioneer and Modern. That's oh, us that's all really up this week. cutting edge news. That's literally today. <laughs> Just happened. Yeah. That's us all cut, caught up this week. So on with the show. And joining you today, if he were a Street Fighter card, he'd be Blanca, ferocious friend, showering you with so much affection that you can barely comprehend, Mr. Matthew Light. Hello, everybody. And if he were a Street Fighter card, he'd be Zangief the Red Cyclone. There's the joke there is that he's ginger. Dr. Rob Wagner. <laughs> like it. it. Uh, but not the time to make Russian jokes, is it? <laughs> and I, I don't know really anything about Street Fighter. Is Zangief Russian? I'll assume so based on that. Yeah. If he was a Street Fighter card, he'd be Ryu World Warrior because he's travelled around the world Are to you? play Magic and he top-aided a pro tour in Canada once, but he doesn't like to mention it. That is me, Matteo Orsini-Jones. How are we all? That 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 Street Fighter set, the Chun Li card. I've put it in the Discord before, but um, it's got multi kicker, which is a fabulous joke because Chun Li's whole thing is kicks and kicking. like like kicking really quickly. Brilliant. But then it yeah. says for every time she was kicked, that's not the right way around. It's so. Is that? But, I mean, are we saying that? Is that in Magic Canon though? That when you cast a kicked card, you are literally kicking the card. It's not the card that is doing the kicking. It's not a literal leg kicking, but the the rules require to that it to be written as it's the number of times that this card was kicked because that's how multi kicker works. But the flavor, it's it's a huge fail when it goes to spelling it out. Yeah, or it means Chun Li is kicking herself. Again, <laughs> not happy with that. It's a it's a it's a wonderful pun followed by a huge flavor fail, and I just wonder <laughs> if they could have made it a silver border card where it just for each time Chun Li kicks or something, you know, just... yeah, or kicked, yeah, or like put the was in um like a little strike through for it or something, just to add to the yeah. joke. Um, played much magic. Also, you know, you know, this it's week. also like a joke. It's like a jokey card, right? You, you your templating doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, but I think it's also supposed to be a tournament legal. Like I said, I can't bother to look into whether it's a legal card well, or whether those it's... those mental Frexian ones with the mental unreadable text are tournament legal cards. Yeah, I suppose. Like, yeah, but they do also have a like gatherer wording that presumably matches the English version of that card. They they should have released it as an alt art version, and then the gatherer version it says whenever Chun Li is kicked, but the real card, like they put they put out plenty of cards with typos. 
they could just, <laughs> they could just pretend that it was a typo and yeah and... that's true yeah <laughs> so, sorry guys we're gonna errata this before it gets um gets printed like that do you remember that zombie a few sets ago that was was it a zombie night or something it's like black white two three and then they released it like sorry guys it's actually a two two but i don't know why they, it's like it wasn't super powerful they could just left it as a three three <laughs> anyway sorry two three um, anyway, have you played much magic these past few weeks? As I always ask every week, and usually get a bunch of no's. Um, just on arena. Okay, I have, have not you... played a lot of magic. Uh, have, have you played, played any other not... games, Matt? As you were just yes, telling us before I... we started recording proper. Yes, I played a flesh and blood PTQ yesterday, um, and I won. Um, I won, so I won qualification to the first ever Flesh and Blood Pro Tour, which is in New Jersey in the middle of May. Um, and the first prize was a um, like a special kind of foil that's worth about £700. Um, so that's pretty great because that'll pay for a lot of my trip, although I'd split with someone, so it'll only pay for half as much as it's worth. Um, it was actually the fifth PTQ I'd played over the last three weeks because um, living in Derby is just so good for playing card tournaments if there are competitive card tournaments. Because like I can get to like... I could get to five different PTQs that were all within like an hour and 15 minute drive of my house. The, the joy was, of being in the Midlands. It was, yeah. I mean, there aren't that many more. It's largely just ability to get to other parts of the country. Um, but so is the is PTQ system similar to what Magic used of, to be in, all, in what of, we consider the golden age of Magic? Yeah, the, the whole organized play system basically is the same as Magic was 10 years, years ago. Okay. So there were like 10, 10, 12 PTQs in the UK um, that give out like more than a travel awards worth of cash, cash equivalent cards. So like really easy to sell because it sell promos and like sellable promos as prizes for tournaments now are even better than they were when we were playing magic. Cause like the game's all about that now, right? Like all games are. So like back when, back then, you know, if you won like a, a promo that might be worth 500 pounds it might be sellable it might not whereas now like everyone who plays games is just like wants to have one of the very few things that exist um, yeah yeah really really interesting um so yeah that's nice. good i played the the tournament the pro tour was really awkwardly timed um as i was mentioning before we came on air but like so i was like oh, i'll just play them because you know the, the prizes for like the prizes them are good like you, it's equivalent of like 100 quids worth of cards even if you just top eight so i played the first one so yeah the first one i played um i lost to the person that like won nationals and lost the final of nationals so didn't top eight and then the day after that i played against tom harl in the semi-finals and that was really entertaining because he owes me um he owes me a semi-final ptq concession from 10 years ago um in a magic ptq and uh then anyway he wins um so i'm i'm like no no we'll play because i can't really go so he plays he beats me we're playing like a 75 card mirror um and i'm like oh now i sort of want to go to the pro tour because my friend's going and then obviously you get through the ptq season and that that feeling just gets stronger and stronger mm. um and so yesterday I audibled off the deck that I'd been playing all season um, to the deck that I kept losing to in top eights um, and then promptly won the tournament. So it was bittersweet though, because um, my opponent actually had me dead on the turn that he thought I hadn't, that he thought he'd got me dead. Basically he could have won nice. and didn't. And I so I won. And yeah. Okay. 
But no, no magic. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't that sound doesn't sound bittersweet. That sounds purely sweet. <laughs> you won a game that you shouldn't have done, right? Yeah, true. That's which is obviously excellent. Oh, hey, I did well in a thing as well. I um, won money in the arena open for the first time. Yeah, what are you gonna what are you gonna spend it on? Probably not a coincidence that it was the first draft day two arena open, but I got my eight wins in that. Go me. Um, what am I gonna spend it on? Um, I don't know, but annoyingly, I only got 70% of what I thought I was going to get because they taxed me 30% because apparently that's a thing. And I don't know if I can claim it back. I know Neil's won money in it before, so I'm to ask him if I can. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't happy when I actually received 1750 rather than 2500 because that is quite a big drop. Um, but I will let you know if once I find something interesting to spend it on. I'm impressed by how <laughs> fast they paid, actually, because... Um, I mean, I don't like to mention it, but I have won Money Playing Magic before. I top edited Pro Tour once, and mm-hmm. that took, I want to say, at least a month or two to, to get to me. And I had this um, it used payout to be so from the arena open, like, to, like less than a week. Fill out forms properly and stuff with Magic, didn't you? That's all ridiculousness. Well, that's, I mean, that, that sort of still is okay. So they've, off, they've outsourced it to a third party company that all feels a bit dodgy, especially because it's an American company. And it felt a bit like, who am I giving my data to? Um, so first of all, you have to register with their company. It's called like iPayout.com or something. And they ask mm-hmm. for a, some kind of photo ID. So first of all, I had to upload my driving license to some uh, Florida company that I don't know nothing about. And their website looks a bit dodgy too. But I mean, I assume Watsy wouldn't employ a dodgy company. Um, so you do that and then they verify you. And the next step is to give them your bank details. And it started, started asking for like, it wanted my last month's statement. And I thought, that's... I don't really want to upload my bank statement. Um, and then I looked at the alternatives and it says, oh, you can also choose pay- PayPal. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do that then. Enter my PayPal email. And then as soon as you press that, it's like, okay, cool, money sent. And there's no question of like, you know, normally you have to enter that kind of thing twice. It's like, are you sure? Double, you know, yeah. repeat it. And so it was weird going from trying to do bank camp where you have to type your various account numbers, your IBAN, your sort code, like do it all twice, upload a statement to prove it's you. And then on the PayPal, it doesn't even say like, check, there's no typo because once you've entered this, we're just going to send two and a half grand to you or 1750. And it's just kind of <laughs> like, it, it felt a bit weird that one of them involves multiple verification checks and uploading your own personal bank statements. And the other one's just like, yeah, just give us an email and we'll send it over. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, it was very fast. I got it like less than a week after the arena open. I drafted a nice black white deck with a Kakusho, and the Kakusho won me lots of games. Ah, oh, you're a black white opponent. <laughs> yeah, um, I am the black white opponent off of the Pro Tour Top 8 that I don't like, like to mention. Um, but I also had, I mentioned it in our Discord at the time, but I had possibly the most nerve wracking game of my life in, in that. Um, in that tournament it was on the bubble as well it was game one so it wasn't for the match but it was like for the if i won that match i won i would have won money which i then did and i'm really bad with card names so bear with me but i my opponent had me like completely dead um and they also had a bunch of life gain cards so they were on something like 40 life and i was on essentially zero so i i had the uh cloud steel killer here and i think it's called that when it's equipped to a creature you can't lose the game and your opponent can't win the game and it got to the point where I was on about minus 200 life and my opponent was on positive 80 life and I won that game. <laughs> and I didn't deck them or anything. I dealt, I won with damage. And it was honestly like the most nerve wracking game of my life because also during that game, when I was on about minus 200 life, or sorry, Rob, negative 200 life, 
Um, Thank you. I disconnected. My internet died. Like it just died out. And I was because there was so many permanents on board, and I was like having to think about every single playing case. I just randomly killed myself. Uh, I had to there. I had like no ro- no timeouts left, and I logged onto my. I had to quickly go and like run and get my phone to the different rooms. So I wouldn't get distracted. Log on to Arena quickly on that. And as I came on, it was like sort of three seconds off the rope burning out and timing me out and kicking out of the match and presumably tournament. So I like quickly just press something, accidentally attack with the wrong thing. That's fine, lose a creature. And then like 20 minutes later, playing on my phone with 100 permanents on the board, permanently on the brink of timing out because I'm having to like scroll through my entire board every time I need to attack. <laughs> and, and then like 20 Kakusho attacks later because it's got flying and menace and they only had one flying blocker. I killed them. <laughs> it was really? honestly the most like nerve-wracking game of my life when I was like sweating so much my heart rate was double. But it was yeah, it was weird to like all these sort of playing magic in the modern world, like all these um weird things that you have to do, like, you know, you get hit by a disconnect and then having to scroll through your board to find things and random pressing one thing. Because I also played the whole game, so I didn't have time to look up on like the gather FAQ whether it would happen. But I wasn't sure if I equipped my cloud still Kirin onto something else if I'd lose the game in the process. Turns out you don't. No. Um but I was like too scared to do it and I really wanted to attack with the thing that it was equipped to. But I didn't want them to have um the the white spell that deals all damage to an attacker which it turned out they did and so i was like really scared the whole time like i don't want to equip this but i also don't want to yeah lose my guy so i it just honestly it was such a nightmare but i won and then i won in two two more matches so i got two and a half thousand dollars go me nice so su- success all round well done both of us it's it, i mean what it sounds like is as though it was in although it was in a um a different way like you know it wasn't you know playing a ptq top eight ten years ago but it sounds like you still managed to capture some of that like like magic tournament excitement even though obviously it was like disconnect and scrolling based rather than yeah definitely um, and i kind of i kind of actually did like the fact that i can just do it um like as much as the, the tournament experience is nice i did also just like the fact that it was relaxed and i could do it at home and like i also did a couple of hours work that day and I also like helped out in the house and like between I could like go down for dinner and not annoy my girlfriend because I'm playing magic because I could just like not you know not play around and then start again later it was, it was just really nice I just like the idea mm. that you can just play at home and win some money you don't have to go to a GP just for the privilege of being able to do that or the chance of being able to do that I did um I did a Blood Bowl tournament a couple of weeks ago it was the day before the last pod or the, the weekend before the last podcast but I wasn't on that podcast because we'd had quite the journey back um but uh, I finished sixth out of 106, and it's one of the highest level bubble events in the country. I managed to be a former world champion in the process. So, oh, nice. That was a decent one. There was no prizes on the line, just good fun. But Was there a story to the, you said, quite a journey back as though something horrendous uh, or something very interesting we, happened? Uh, turns out our daughter gets quite car sick. Um, we tried okay. to do it with her sleep, which started off all right, but 40 minutes in, she vomited uh needed cleaning up which you very as a parent you just very quickly just get you to just having to clear stuff up so it sounds gross but you you just stop caring um and uh so the car smelled a bit the rest of the way and it was just quite late very very rainy as well wasn't the best yeah okay (laughs) fair enough um and i think we had quite a long intro as matt will be happy with so shall we talk about this week back in there in magic's history yeah we near the start of the end of the podcast so i'm a bit confused <laughs> um 
back in day, seven years ago, there was a GP in Liverpool. Um, that's up near Manchester, for those who are unsure. Um, this was a... Uh, that's a, a weird limited... way to describe Liverpool. Yeah, it basically is, right? Um, I don't know if you've been yeah. to Liverpool, but you pretty much have to go through Manchester to get there. But would someone who doesn't know Liverpool know Manchester? Maybe if they're an Oasis fan, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, carry on. Um, but all the trains to Liverpool go through Manchester. The the motorways swing round Manchester. Like it's basically Man- Manchester's just a little bit of offshoot. Um, anyway, this was um, a Kansas Tarkir limit uh, sealed and then draft uh, Grand Prix. Um, I th- can't remember if I went to this one. I feel like I sh- I might have, but it also might have been on a weekend that I just couldn't make it or something. But my wife's parents are in Manchester, so. You know, that Liverpool's near enough to Manchester that I probably could have gone. I have I no recollection one, of it. I definitely went to this one. I think it's one where Neil always says he got high with Travis Wu. Oh, okay. Well, well not did he high get enough because he, he wasn't in the top spent eight. time with. Yeah. <laughs> not no, not high in like, the standings. I, no, that was, that was the one where it was really warm, which I think might have been a Birmingham. Actually, maybe that was Manchester. Maybe they are so similar to each other. I'm just confusing them with each other. Mm. This, um, this, this was it, Neil would be really sad that he's missed this as a back in the day. I think because oh. it's because this was um, Khan's Limited, but this mm. wasn't Khan's, was it? It was Khan's plus Dragons, yes. which went from being like an amazing limited format to being an absolutely hideously terrible one. Yeah, um, in what every was the conceivable difference? way. Um, so basically, were dragons. Yeah. So basically, the problem with dragons of Tarkir was that there were there was the cycle of enchantments that were like really powerful. The, the rare like, ones, siege, the sieges. Yeah, but yeah. there wasn't that much enchantment removal, and they were so good compared to other things. And then like it was like fifty percent of the rares in the set were like massive bombs, and fifty percent were like total toilet. So like, so like what would happen is you'd have a draft and, and like there's loads of fixing, right? Because there's loads of, there's a dual land in every pack. So mm. if your three boosters had two dual lands and a crap rare and the guy sat and the, like the other people at the draft pod had like three great rares, it was really hard for you to do anything about it. And therefore sealed was very similar. Um, yeah, just really awkward. Fair enough. Um, it was a decent top eight. Um, Martin Dang was the winner, uh, former well, multiple Danish na- national champion, um, done well at a bunch of events. He won a Pro Tour, right, with Mono Red? It yeah. Uh, Martin Dang. Did indeed. Um, I think it was not quite Mono Red. It had the green-red charm or whatever it's uh, called. Oh, yeah, sure. But it was pretty much, yeah. Um, also in the yeah. top eight, Lucas Blown, Marcio Carvalho, and uh, Timothy Simino, uh, plus some other names that I don't recognize so much, I'm afraid. Was that before or after he started making shampoo, Timothy? Timothy, uh, after I think. Okay, he used the proceeds to to um, fund his magic hobby. <laughs> he also Mark Dang also works for Dragon Shields, right? Does he? I feel like that's a big part of his business. I think that's what he did, and like they're so successful now. I mean, obviously we don't buy a lot of sleeves these days, but like no, none of my shirts Dragon, have them. Dragon, God, Rob, you're such a villain. um and um yeah like um yeah dragon shields are like super popular these days 
like and they're like the quality of them is really high as well yeah they're um, always my go-to if i was buying sleeves at a tournament i'd love to dragon shield yeah same if they yeah, want to sponsor like, us get in touch <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing that's the thing or i just found send some sleeves that's the thing i found with dragon shields these days it's like so it used to be that like if i use a, a set of like not dragon shields or like not high quality sleeves um like they're just like you know they're like sticky or destroyed in like no time at all but the um like dragon shields i can use for like tournament after tournament after tournament and they're just they're just great yeah fair enough <laughs> oh, that wasn't very exciting i'm so sorry <laughs> that's all right um i follow martin on facebook follow martin i guess i'm i'm this friends described with it, technically friends with um he's uh, a big arsenal football club fan is he yeah i'm gonna edit that so you don't say the null football club fan part <laughs> no swearing <laughs> Big North, why, why big is, North London why, Red Team football club fan. That always confuses <laughs> me. As as a non-follower of the sports balls, I always am confused as to why people support teams that are not really like near them, either geographically or um, like they don't have any kind of like family connection. Like, why do people support random teams in other countries? I mean, maybe he does have a, some kind of. Well, family connection so I, th- to I think I think London. Denmark's national league doesn't really have any outstanding clubs um, on the continental um, side of things. Now, obviously, it's, it's going to have its like best teams and what have you. But from a yeah, from an international perspective, it's not necessarily got the biggest teams. Um, and often with that sort of situation, you've got that they follow like there's a, a Danish like a great Danish footballer. Woof. I was just thinking the big dog in Danish football, you might yeah. say. Um. <laughs> um, it's sort of like if you're like watching Magic Pros, right? Like just because you want to watch like Magic play doesn't mean it has to be an English player in the final. Thank God. Because yeah, who would we ever watch? Does- but do, but do, do football teams? Why are we even talking about this? Well, the football teams have like a personality. I can understand supporting a Magic Pro who isn't you know from your area because they have personalities or they play certain decks. But maybe football teams have certain play styles, I guess. But I don't know. It just doesn't always confuses me. Fan bases have personalities. I wouldn't necessarily say the the, the clubs themselves have the personality. There's there's something about it, but it's not quite the same. Okay. But yeah. There's a speak going back to this Magic tournament. We probably should talk about. Um, eight British players on top eight, which is quite impressive. Yeah, eight um, UK players. Also some quite big names. Yeah, <laughs> that's what the uh, that's what the tournament registration says. So I'm going to believe it. But you've got Lucas Blohan. He, I think, won a Pro Tour as well. Marty Carvalho obviously won Pro Tour. Uh, has he won a Pro Tour? He's probably won a Pro Tour. He's won a bunch of stuff. Some of it um, without cheating, presumably. Um, yeah, it's quite <laughs> a quite a big tournament. It's weird. I don't seem to remember this, so maybe I just didn't go. But um, yeah, I, I do remember like. Um, you were saying earlier that adding the new set was basically just like, oh yeah, we just got a bunch of bomb rares now. Whereas Khan's is one of my favorite limited sets ever. Mm. Um, adding yeah, adding the new set was just like there's I can't remember all the names, but there's like two or three rares that just won every single game that were played. Um, the like I said, terrible card names. What was the two white white enchantment that? let you choose something every combat and it was either like tap a creature or pump something and um, it was the, it was the white siege yeah <laughs> yeah siege that's the one yeah, oh, I was they, this tournament. They... i've just been told in the chat that i was at this tournament oh, obviously i don't remember because i didn't do very well 
Neil did much better than me. He came 123rd, and I, I came 947th. Like, I, I was there, apparently. I got three wins. Oh, we both did equally badly, Rob. Yeah. No wonder I don't remember it. Oh, no, I do remember it. I still owe my driver £10. Okay. Somebody picked me up from Manchester. Um, and uh, I, try, I, try, I, I tried for uh, several years to pay them back. I kept messaging them on Facebook and stuff, and they just ignored me. So I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> but if, if you're listening, I, I would like to pay you at some point, <laughs> just on principle. Oh, Matt, you were there as well. We were all there. Yeah. I think is this but, the one where we went out afterwards, Matt? Like on a night out. We definitely did that in Liverpool once. It must have been this one. I can't remember any other GP Liverpools we? that I've been to. Oh, wasn't the Green Party conference there at the same time? <laughs> I don't remember what? that. I think Matt, you were as, as I think you were break. like either mid or post breakup around this time. And I remember you basically that just wanted to go like, out and get that sounds, absolutely that, wrecked. That sounds likely. Was this twenty fifteen? Yeah. 2015 is a, a pretty rough time for me. Well, it's not... 2015 is not a rough time. My breakup... This is... This is... At, 2015 is coming out of being very heavily Christian for a bit and going out a lot and taking a lot of drugs. Yeah. To, no, to I be really I, frank. Yeah. I actually didn't want to... I didn't want to say because I didn't want to <laughs> out you, but what I remember about that night is that you were in a pretty yeah, foul yeah. mood to start with. And you basically had one goal, it's to get trashed. And at some point you got really annoyed because you couldn't find any coke and you just went home. <laughs> and then I was just there like, well, I don't really know anyone else here, so I guess I'll also go home. Uh, Surely yeah. so, shop would have some cola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't mean the cola kind. Yeah, but you, I just remember you had one very specific goal and you just couldn't you, find uh, any. Why were you driving a steam train? <laughs> There's, Liverpool's not the right city for that. You want to go more northeast for that kind of coke, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the mining towns. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I do yeah. remember this one. So there have actually been two tournaments. So this was also the one where I stayed with um, Johnny Chapman. I just It's all coming back to me. There have been two GP Liverpools, and the, I think the one where Neil got high with Travis was actually the one after this. But this one I stayed with Johnny Chapman. I like organised a room with him, and then just didn't me- he like, didn't respond to me for about two months on Facebook. And... And then, like the day before, he messaged me. He's like, "Oh yeah, sorry for the late reply. I am coming." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> would be nicer to tell me two months ago." But I do remember it all. Everything was fine. I don't know if yeah, I don't know if you uh, <laughs> ended up finding the coat. But as far as I was aware, you just went home at some point. Yeah, I, it, they, they there were times that happened in the past. <laughs> yeah, it was also. Yeah. I know it's as I. The more I speak, the more it's coming back to me. There was also again. I won't name and shame, but there was a lady who was out with us who I also recall, got completely trashed uh, and I recall. perhaps i don't think went home with you but was hoping to or was hoping to go home with someone in the group and it was all very Not me. messy no <laughs> i don't think you're in that outing rob but i can't no, remember I'd, who I'd got, was in it but i'd already been driven back home for free oh nice <laughs> Well, not ten. Is it, yeah. is it free if you're planning the to last, pay? It probably is. Well. It's the last, the last five or six years. Did that sort of the, the the proper tail end of my like degenerate twenties, and then you, I've, I crossed the line of mid twenties into late twenties in 2016, and I get slightly more respectable at that stage, yeah. and then from like 27 end of 2017, I start going out with Jess, um, and. And, it's, and then I start being like the sort of like grown up child protection lawyer that you 
know and love today. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah. I think I think it's quite important that if we discuss GPs in that 2010 to 2015, 16 range, we ideally don't focus too much on my behaviour. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. both in tournament and out of tournament? Um, <laughs> yeah, because I just wasn't a bit of a shit. Hey, speaking of the other thing I want to talk about today um, is so I, I mentioned it to you guys. I haven't mentioned it in the Discord yet because I wanted to bring it up today. But it was this thing about what they called priority bullying on Commander and in Commander. Sorry, and it is. I sort of reminded me by, by by mentioning that maybe your in tournament players are a bit shady as well. And apparently, so what I learned this week is that Commander players are using essentially rules sharking each other in what I thought was a completely friendly game where it doesn't really matter who wins and who doesn't. And I saw this Twitter thread that I've been thinking about ever since I saw it, where a guy said, um, oh, people need to stop priority bullying me. If you, if you start doing it, I'll start losing on purpose and everyone loses with me. And I was like, I read that and I thought, what on earth is he talking about? And then he explained it in a sort of follow-up video in the same thread. And I may play it in the, in the edit just so you can get, hear his version, but for you guys now, basically, imagine you have four players... Player A casts a spell that's going to win them the game. And player B has a way of dealing with it, but player B wants to use whatever they're going to use to deal with it to let themselves win the game. So they don't actually want to deal with it if they can avoid it. So what they then do is pass priority to player C, who doesn't have anything. And then they pass priority to player D, who also doesn't have anything. And then before player D passes it back to priority A, to player A and the priority resolves... What player B does and says, if you tap your mana, that resets the priority. So we get another round of priority and then I will deal with it. And and player D at that point is like, uh, what? <laughs> I guess, sure, because otherwise the game immediately ends. So player, player D and nobody taps wants this to be out. over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing we want is to keep playing Commander. Um, so, so player D then taps out obligingly. Presumably the same then happens to player C. Player B counters player A spell and then just wins on their own next turn. And I, I, I just, I saw that and I was like, what on earth is happening here? Because I thought there were two things that I knew about commanders. That one, everyone just wants a game to go on as long as possible. And two, no one really cares who wins anyway. And this just like completely blew my mind that people were using not just like uh, sort of sharking each other but also using this really niche rule that i imagine a lot of people a lot of people listening won't even exist the rule that if you tap mana and correct me if i'm wrong in the chat if you tap mana it resets the priority and i have noticed this happening online before and i guess i just assumed it's like a bug but if you tap mana but don't actually do anything else it still resets priority which is weird because tapping mana is like a special action but i guess that's there to like let people do stuff if you unmorph or something um, but I have noticed online before, I don't know if you guys have, that if you like accidentally misclick one of your lands, it then gives your opponent priority again, even if you didn't do anything. And so I just wanted, like, I, did, I just wanted to sort of open this general discussion, A, sort of mention <laughs> what on earth is happening, and B, open the discussion of, I want, uh, kind of interesting how what I pick, what I think to be commander players always think that tournament players are like that, but it turns out the commander players are like that. And I think we have spoken about this on the podcast before, but actually I don't think tournament players are like that or much less so than people like to think they are and i wonder if like do you, do you guys have any stories where you have in a tournament done that kind of thing to essentially try and squeak out a win and i just i'll start with my own examples the one that always sticks in my mind actually i'll go two examples which i'm sure i've mentioned before but for the sake of because we're talking about it 
that I still think about them to this day. And one of them was in a tournament. I think it was in Madrid, GP Madrid. And basically I tried to uh, sort of priority bully. It's quite on topic. Priority bully my opponent who didn't speak English as their first language. So I was a bit confused by some of the things I was saying um, with an equipment. So I wanted to equip my Jitte to my creature and then attack with it and obviously get the triggers. But they had something that tapped creatures. And so what I didn't want them to do is tap my creature in the start of combat step. And so what I did, as I said very clearly, I'm passing priority to you in my main phase. And this was before they made the rules change. It said it sort of assumed you're skipping straight to combat. Um, and they immediately just tapped my creature. So I said, okay, re-equip the Jitte to my untapped creature and attack with it. And that's like obviously scummy. And eventually the head judge actually ruled in my opponent's favor because they said, look, even though what you did was technically correct by the rules, you're obviously being scummy and your opponent's intention was clear. Because as soon as I did that, my opponent said, well, no, you obviously can't do that. that's not what I meant. Yeah. And I said, well, that's what you said you were doing, <laughs> which is like obviously scummy. And this was ages ago. And it's not, it's definitely not how to play now. And the other one was, um, you guys might know the Amar Datani story um, when he earthquaked himself to death against me. <laughs> where <laughs> it wasn't actually earthquake. It was, I think it's called Molten Disaster, but it's essentially an earthquake yeah, card yeah. where he was on more life than me. Um, and we're in a PTQ quarter or semi final, game three. Um, and he excited. He drew the earthquake and just like played it down excitedly because it was the win and it split second and I can't counter it. Um, and I sort of jokingly said, "Okay, how much for?" Because I obviously I'm on less life than him, so I'll just do it for that. And he, because he was quite excited to draw the win, he just went all of it and like sort of put his hands on his lands and sort of went to tap them. And then he went, "Oh, wait a second, because <laughs> he realised he had more lands in his own life total as well. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he did that, I was like, "No, sorry, you said all of it. Game four, I guess that's a draw." <laughs> and the judges ruled in my favour in that case. And I still think about that today. Like, yes, whilst I won that game, it's not how I would wanted to win. And I, actually, before I carry on the discussion, do you guys have any examples of things like that where you've done that kind of thing and you just wouldn't now? Oh God, yeah, so many. Yeah, no, I don't um, think so. So this is this is over to Matt. <laughs> yeah so many um i mean there was the one where i'm playing a gp and my opponent's playing enchantress in legacy um and this is my first ever like gp in a foreign land and he's playing enchantress and this is back where like if you miss a number of your own triggers you get warnings and then game losses and um my opponent is playing Chantress and it has like in, in a million, you know, comes into play triggers because he's got like three copies of Argothian Enchantress in play that like whenever he plays Enchantment, draw a card. And like the first time, the first time he plays like, and there's like two of two Enchantresses, one that's an Enchantment. So it triggers off, off the other ones and one that's a creature. So it doesn't. So I win game one because he draws an extra card because he draws a card when he shouldn't do and then i'm like the matchup's so bad for me that like every time he misses a trigger um i call the judge and he gets warnings and then i start walking him into them as well oh it's so bad so like he's playing um he's playing utopia sprawl and that those kind of things so like mm. you know one one green mana when uh, when it comes into as it comes into as it comes into play choose a color when you tap the enchanted land for mana it makes that color but because that's an as it comes into play effect, that happens before he draws the cards from his enchantresses. Right. So, so whenever he plays one, he goes uh, Utopia Sprawl, name red. Um, uh, yeah, do you mean after he draws a card? 
you said before, yeah, but I think you mean after. Yeah, so, he, so he's we'll, missed we'll a know. chance to draw by the but, time he chooses. And then I start fella. walking him in. So he'll be go, he'll go Utopia Sprawl, and I'll say, "Yeah, what color are you naming?" And he'll go blue, and I'll be like, <laughs> "Okay, excellent, no draw for you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just like um, all of this kind of stuff, and uh, it was just it was just so bad. It was it was just such an unkind thing to have done, and like he's like so tilted and at the end of the game he literally says with tears in his eyes it's like fully grown grown up man he was like that was the worst game of anything i've ever played you genuinely <laughs> made this game unfun for me um and i was like i don't care <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice but okay, yeah. fun, fun is zero fun uh, zero sum so that must have been the greatest game you've ever played <laughs> <laughs> oh it was just, yeah, it was bad. So many things like that. So many, so many things that I just wouldn't John's do now. Mentioned the chat as well, which actually came up on Twitter recently. I don't know if you guys saw it, but do you, if I say Esper Charm targeting me, do you know what that's in reference to? Cedric yeah, Esper. <laughs> yeah. So this was so this was Cedric Phillips. Like, it was in the tournament. I can't remember which one, but Esper Charm only has one mode that targets, and it's target player discards two, and the other mode is draw two cards. And his opponent said. End of your go, Esper Charm target me. And so Cedric was like, okay, discard two cards then. Because <laughs> you obviously don't want to draw two cards, otherwise you wouldn't have said target. And the judge ruled in Cedric's favour. Um, and again, I think a judge, I don't know if there's a rule specifically about that. Like They have changed the rules when I said about the Jitter thing, they like, have literally changed the rules to say I can't do what I did. Um, but I don't think they have. there is a rule specifically about that. But a judge would now take into account, I think, the intention and say, no, they obviously meant to draw two cards, even though they said target. Um so I think they would have they would have you know they would have sided with the opponent nowadays. Yeah, um, but also uh, I, but, I know what funny the, thing I know is Cedric actually but defended not, that play, but not Sorry, in the Karen? glory, but not in the glorious past. Yeah, the glorious, <laughs> but, glorious past. But an interesting thing I noticed when it came up again on Twitter, Cedric, like this was maybe a month ago, and Cedric was defending the play and basically saying like would do it again like i played by the rules i stuck to them and i wonder, i don't know if that's like a cultural thing like maybe americans are more about that kind of thing or if cedric is just a bit still in the past with the way he plays magic but I, kind of my question the wider question is do you think that's more or less common now do you think the reduction of tournaments is gonna increase or decrease the amount of times that's happening like does playing fewer tournaments mean people are less likely to try that or does it mean they're less likely to have good tournament etiquette and therefore more likely to try that when tournaments start up properly again and then also i wonder if like the impact of online magic and arena and magic on like people's not so much magic online but people starting magic via arena more so than they used to i think is that going to make people more or less likely to sort of shark rule shark each other in the tournament i think certain play mistakes like the esper charm one is going to be harder because um uh, if, with, with a lot of practice on uh, like uh, Magic Arena, because it does the rules for you, so you just sort of get used to how it actually works. Yeah, but it doesn't. Mm, so I guess in the Cedric case, it requires the Cedric character to to be the one who sort of knows the intricacies. And the, so, like, say his opponent there is the Arena player who isn't used to being told, who isn't being used to being asked like what are you targeting because arena sort of spells out the modes for you mm. so i wonder in that case i don't know it's obviously not great to still distill this down to one case but i was basically i sort of read that as i was reading that thread i thought actually this just won't happen anymore and then i thought maybe i'm wrong and i just wanted to get your opinions on it like do you think there's going to be any impact on the ch recent changes through covid and through arena 
I think of this kind of thing happening more. I think as as John's suggesting that rules are, rules interpretations are heading more towards making the game work like the people are trying to make it work. Mm. I think I think I think Rob is right as well in combination with that is that like you couldn't get the Esper charm thing wrong if you if you play on arena and you have to select the modes and then you have to draw the arrow and that sort of thing you actually learn better that way don't you 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 learn more because you shortcut less things to start with because you because you can't um yeah yeah so I, true, I, I, think, I, think I think i think it'll be less and you, you I was just up- say, people- go, no, you go, go. go on you you you, you go <laughs> no I was, I was gonna say magic online is very useful because people used to basically say to me like where can i learn magic and i always said it's magic online it's it's where i learn like all the intricacies of the rules and the steps and when and how everything works yeah I've, I've arena doesn't do that so much i've got something to say about that actually in, in in just a moment um the first thing i'd say is like the other reason why it might be less prevalent is you pick up bad habits from somewhere right so like it, it should get less and less prevalent because it if there are fewer people doing it, fewer people coming in, learn it. The other thing I'd say is as well, one of the things I find really interesting about um, people who want to be better at cards um, and how they go about doing it, I think it's interesting. It might be that we don't have time for this today and we, 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 we revisit it next week when Neil's here because he'll probably have something to say about it. But like when I wanted to get good at cards way back when, when I started, you know, I loaded up Magic Workstation, Magic Online, and I played a lot, you know, for me on my own, working it out. And it was only much later that I started playing with other people who were good, getting to know other people that were good. And maybe that was shyness. Maybe it was, you know, not living near many other good players. But there seems to be lots of people these days who are just like, well, I'll get good by playing with someone good. And I don't think those people actually get much better very quickly. What, what do you think? I'm just sort of, I, I, this isn't a fully explored point. Um, so it, it might not go anywhere today, but what, what, what do you think, so? Sorry, can you repeat a question? Because my internet just cut out quickly. I only heard half nice. what you said. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I was scrambling I was saying, to get connected again. <laughs> <laughs> and then I immediately put you on the spot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, perhaps I'll, I'll, I'll just sort of, I'll repeat the question and then we'll leave it for next episode as a as a thing to talk about. Although maybe we can cover it cover it now. So what I found is like did you, did you just cut out that because you just cut out again, but it sounded like you're trolling me. Did you you just went silent for like a two seconds? Anyway, yeah, carry on, Matt. Because you you start a set. <laughs> no, stop. No, because you... this is what I thought. <laughs> Rob he was doing. always <laughs> does this. Rob always does this. He's so badly. I behaved. rarely do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jokes, jokes on Rob. I like the podcast when I can only hear half of what he's got to say. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Mateo. So, like, when I when I started getting when I started playing loads of Magic and wanting to do well, you know, the way I did that was sitting at home on my own on Magic Online or Magic Workstation and like just playing loads of games against strangers and like trying to learn lessons and and, and be better. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people these days. Um, try to get better just by playing with good people. Do you know what I mean? And, and and I don't know if that works as well. And I think one of the things that, you know, is whenever you play any game and you want to get better at it, you want to do well and, you know, you want to compete, working out what your path from where you are to in the new improved you is, is quite tricky. And it's something that needs to have thought. And I think 
that those two differences of approach I, I find quite quite challenging. And I I wonder if there's a lot of people out there who think that the best way for them to improve is to, you know, attach themselves to the guy they know who who keeps doing well at PTQs or, you know, who always wins their local FNM or local pre-release. But actually what they need to do is actually work on their core skills themselves before they try and improve. I kind of disagree, actually. Go on. I- no, I, I kind of think it's. I think I've always advocated. I've always advocated to play online if you want to know the rules. But I've always advocated basically find someone who's better than you if you want to just get better at magic. And I think that's always been the case. I think maybe the issue now is that. Um, I mean, this isn't just a magic specific problem. It's it's a, an internet problem. Is that the best players feel very close to you, and people often make the mistake of like, oh, I watch you on Twitch, therefore you're my friend, and they kind of feel like they're owed being told or taught how to play magic so they'll just like slide into the dms and say oh hey do you want to give me some advice and i don't think that is just a magic thing i think you see it with pete like internet micro celebrities in any field that their followers sometimes make the mistake of thinking they're friends and Mm. will expect a lot from them i think another internet problem is that sometimes (laughs) (laughs) i don't like this rob rob behave yourself I think you need a mix. Um, I think sometimes you need to play with better players, but you also need time by yourself to reflect on the experience that you've learned. If You can't always be just trying to learn new things. Sometimes you have to put it into practice by yourself. So yeah, mm. play with better players and against better players and in serious tournaments, but also take those things you learned and practice them. Yeah, I think I, I think it's, it's something I think about quite a lot because I'm quite lucky in that I, I tend to pick things up quite quickly. Um, and, but I'm not naturally the smartest and I'm certainly not naturally patient and hardworking. So what, like, and, and how that manifests is I tend to get pretty damn good at something quite quickly, but then never get above that. So like if we play up a new, and if we, if we all, if I play a new board game that with three other people, and none of us have played before, I tend to be able to figure it out quite quickly and I might win games one and two, but then I'll never win games three to six because the people who have actually worked out and spent a bit more time acclimatizing, acclimatizing themselves to it, do it. And I'm, now that I'm playing Flesh and Blood, you know, I'm talking to people who want to improve and seeing how people are going about it and seeing how it will be successful and how it isn't and what works for some people and what doesn't work for others. And I, yeah, I just, yeah, it's just something I find really interesting to think about. Mm. This was this wasn't a very well thought out point. What I'll do is I'll try and bring this up again when Neil's around next week. Um, I'll say something incendiary, and we'll get bickering about it, and it'll, it'll perhaps go, work better. Going back to will about. people be more scummy with rules and stuff when they go back to tournaments? I think, um, I think you you often found it more where the stakes were higher but also much higher relative to the common experience of the competitors. I think, so like day two mm. of a GP, I don't think people were generally that bad, but PTQs was one of the worst occasions. So it's where people, like people, especially from people who maybe um, were on the verge of qualifying on a more regular basis, but just sort of haven't really done it um, enough. Uh, that was that, that typically I think was the, the kind of, um, yeah, and the it, sort of person it, that would it, do it, and, and it's awkward, isn't it, when you have when like, like when you have two different when you have people at the tournament who are there for very different reasons. 
because then you've got essentially, if you've got some people who are going to be sharky and you've got some people who are just there to have a good time, those people are just very vulnerable to, to those those sharky people. It's really interesting in Flesh and Blood because um, the PTQs are real casual. So, like, you, you can't scum someone on the rules most of the time. And the expectation is very different, um, mm. which is, yeah. Someone's just posted uh, in the Discord the um, Watcher Macaulay. There's a name for it. What's it called? The, the trough, something trough? Bell which curve? is the like sorry sort of a bell curve the ah, yeah. Around. yeah it's the the levine trench okay which is, <laughs> which is like it's an axis which is like niceness and like like ability and uh, like on, on on the um on the x-axis it's ability and on the y-axis it's niceness and like when you're like at the top when you're like at the top of the y-axis of niceness you're like very nice is really high when you're at, at bad and it's like and when you're very very good you're also very very nice it's like the almost good people the ptq top eighters the day two at local gps but one five day twos they're in this like bottom of like niceness horrible misanthrope it's really really it's a really 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 good thing yeah and it, it, does, it does actually I, we've spoken about it so many times it does actually track that the, the people yeah sharking each other are the ones who are probably a bit worse than they think they are they're like good but not as good as they think they are um and the the people i mean there are exceptions there are scummy um like proto top eighters and there are scummy fnm players but for the most part do you it, it think, does track do you think that it could be said that the uk was probably particularly vulnerable to this kind of bad behavior because we didn't have any slash many very 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 good consistent players because a lot of the time these things happen like the the way that you create a culture is you have role models right who 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 set good behavior and you know if we had like half a dozen gravy trainers who were all like really really great really really nice people all the time then that would be what people were aspiring to but if your your top level is if if it's me they're aspiring to then we've got problems <laughs> the uk does generally have problems with uh, entitlement as well though i think it, yeah just generally as a vibe <laughs> once <laughs> <laughs> dot, 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 rob wagner maths teacher at private school <laughs> <laughs> once you're living off the general generational wealth of having colonized the entire world you'd have a certain amount of entitlement <laughs> <laughs> um yeah probably i don't know i think i think it's very much um it was a small pond and everyone thought there were big fish in it is it was probably part of the problem um, but I feel like that's a whole new discussion that we're getting into of analysing the circa 2010 yeah, it's, it's one British things, PTQ scene. It, it's really interesting playing Flesh and Blood because the the average age of players is a bit older. So like this Flesh and Blood tournament, the average age was probably like I was probably because it's, like, it's all Magic players that got bored of PTQs, right? Or the lack yeah, of them. yeah, and 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 people from other games. So like most people are you know age. 26 to 40 and mm. that change in age just means that like everyone's way more chill you know like no like no one's hoping no one needs to win the the gold foil special special first prize 
because they're worried about money, right? Yeah. Like everyone's going, back to, was... everyone's going back to work on Monday. Because that, that was also kind of part, I forgot to ask it, but that was part of my original question is, do you think part of the fact that maybe we don't see the, the rule sharkiness so much anymore outside of the commander world, it turns out, is that we ourselves are older? Um, and do you think like the younger Magic players are still doing that kind of thing? Or is it, like, I like to often think that young people are just better. Like 20-year-olds now, I think, are more sort of worldly wise than I was at that age. Partly because, you know, society progress and partly because you have access to the internet earlier and the internet is like less new than it was, or social media in particular was less new than it was when we were that age. So it's had time to sort of evolve and be a bit less echo chambery in some ways, I guess, in certain others, others not. Um, but like, but do, you, do you think the average, like, do you think the sort of the, that sort of cut throat sharkiness that, that we describe even ourselves doing it at the time even though we like to think of ourselves as not at that horrible misanthrope level on that, that no no um, no no, graph. no, no. Oh, no are no. you happy to admit that you were there happy to admit i'm at the bottom <laughs> okay. of the trench okay <laughs> absolutely but, but do you, absolutely but do you no think the average player, but do you think the average 20 year old now is any less or more like that than we were at that age and do you think, think that has to I do with you're any probably factors? still going to be prone to it in the kind of games we play because they, well, to be honest, another part of it I think is is probably that as the games become slightly more mainstream, you're going to have a player base who have slightly fewer social issues, and I don't just mean like not showering or being a bit, you know, being a bit on the sort of ASD spectrum, but like you know, not you're you're not having people who have spent ten years being bullied and then are suddenly good at something. And I think that, that that's quite a key part of it as well, because I think that when you have people who have been, you know, the the specky kid that likes maths or dragons or Warhammer or magic and is suddenly in a situation where they've got some social capital, some social power, then like you they aren't gonna have those things to 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 express, to like get out of their system. So I think that probably impacts as well. And I think that combined with what you're saying, Mateo, where like, and to use a term I'm not not a fan of, like people are more woke, you know, people are more considerate of other people's feelings at a younger age. I think that probably is true mm. as well. Yeah. I don't know. Do you see, Rob, you, you actually, you know, you work with teenagers. Do you think that teenagers are more, teenagers and young people are more nice, nicer than they were when we were one? Um, I don't think the sample I'm seeing are representative of the population. So yes, but also, <laughs> very diplomatic, <laughs> very diplomatic answer. Well, yes, but they don't have poverty. Mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> to, be honest, to, be to be honest, though, people people with a deck and a PTQ top eight probably don't have too much poverty either. Um, but I appreciate what you're saying. It's very different. Wait, how much money were you getting from your PTQ top eights? <laughs> no, I mean because like the deck's got to be worth like something. Right? Not, like it's not a. They're not around other people that are mired in poverty either. So they're they're not mm. they're not having those that uh, um, they're not either either experiencing themselves or or from their peers that sort of everyday friction, which actually I think has gotten worse over the last fourteen years, um, increasingly so. So I think probably kids in a general sense may well be less nice, not innately, just because of the situation they find themselves in. Um, but the kids that I see probably aren't representative. So I, I don't know. Yeah, and 
it's probably it's probably likely that you know your perception of what young people are like as you get older is just going to be more and more off because it's it's just going to be what the media tells you right like if all of your facebook feed is is you know um who's that who's that scandy lass that's always that loves the environment um, Greta Thunberg. Gre- Greta Thunberg. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I deliberately hammed that up to make me sound a bit old and fuddy duddy. But um, you know, that's the thing. Like, you know, if all you're seeing is that sort of thing, but actually, you know, if you were to walk past your local school, it's still just like it's still just like bullying and you know ties that are too short like maybe maybe it's just exactly the same who knows and and you know maybe we'll find out um and it, i guess it depends on what the um what the the age range of magic tournaments is as well that will impact won't it yeah It'd be interesting to see i mean i imagine in-person ptqs will never come back so we won't have to worry about this too much yeah all right well i think that's a good time to round out this podcasting as we've uh, gone on a very tangential and vaguely unrelated i would just like um, to express discussion. to all of our all of our live listeners and our recorded listeners that there have been a lot of conversational derailments this episode a yeah. lot of non sequiturs i enjoy and I think, frankly we i think we can all agree it was rob's fault yeah um <laughs> <laughs> love it probably was to um, be honest sne- sneaking in a little math joke there rob it was noticed and appreciated um <laughs> And anyway, shall we start to uh, round out the episode with some advice on where to find us? If you want to join in the conversations while we're recording, please do so in the Discord. You'll find the link in the show notes wherever you're listening from. We have a lot of interesting discussion from Discord, a lot of contributions. And to be honest, a lot of things our Discord listeners say are more interesting than what we're saying. Oh, God, um, yeah. So please head there um, if you're not already. You can also find us online on Twitter and Facebook. It's just each of those.com slash TBE podcast. And I'm on Twitter. Sorry, we're all on Twitter individually, but I am on Mateo OJ underscore MTG. Sorry, I hiccuped while saying that, so I'll say it again. Mateo OJ underscore MTG. Uh, Rob, what's your Twitter? At Dr. Matt, Twitter? I'm at TBE podcast, Matt. Um, I think that's probably everything we need no. to say for today. <laughs> So, <laughs> so badly that Rob finishing his Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, so naughty, isn't he? <laughs> um, jokes on him because he won't get any followers because no one heard him say it. Oh. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining me, you two, and thanks for joining me, the listeners in the Discord. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. 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 follow martin on facebook follow martin i guess i'm i'm the, the, well, described technically friends with um he's uh, a big r3 